to Bride Body Family Temple. This is the podcast where we talk about all things church and what it means to be the people of God before a watching world. Uh, my name is Eric Miller. I'm the lead teaching pastor at Mercy Hill Church in Berlin, Ohio. With me today in the podcast studio is Mark Russell. What up, what up, what up? There he is, associate teaching pastor at uh, Mercy Hill Church and Conrad Hirschberger. Hello. Executive pastor, Mercy Hill Church. We're glad you've joined us today. Um, so what we want to do here at the outset of this podcast um, is just press into uh, the metaphors that are mentioned in the title, not just mentioned in the title, but that literally make up the title, Bride, Body, Family, Temple. Um, and again, our premise here is that each one of those are divinely inspired metaphors that are put forward in God's uh, holy word um, to help us understand what the church is, who the church is, um, but also are helpful pointers in the way that we function and in some of the things that we are to be pursuing. And so we're going to do a podcast on each one of these um, here at the outset. And the one we're going to press into today is just the first one in regards to the title, and that is the bride, is that we are the bride of Christ. Last week um, on the pilot episode, we talked a little bit about some of the passages regarding that. There's not just one place in scripture. Um, the primary one that we looked at was the passage in Ephesians 5, where Paul uh, uh, kind of weaves in and out of talking about marriage between a husband and wife, and then also marriage between Christ and the church. And again, ultimately what he's kind of getting at there is the relationship between Christ and the church. Um, today I want to start with another passage here in Second Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, th these, these are truly some of my favorite verses. And honestly, for just for me personally, these verses very much help keep me grounded. And not just in regards into what the church is to do, but also just as an individual um, disciple of Jesus Christ as well. Um, but here they are. Second uh, Corinthians 11, starting in verse 1, Paul says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Why? Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And I love those words, sincere and pure. Again, I, I kind of um, actually prefer the, the NASB here. The NSB says, from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And again, in Paul's language around sincerity, simplicity, purity, whatever words you, you want to use, is this idea of us as believers being betrothed to Christ, that we are engaged in. He is the, the bridegroom. We are the bride. Um, and it's this simplicity and purity uh, of a bride um, or, or, or of a wife to her husband that the enemy wants to rob us of. And I think that's, I think that's pretty important. Would you guys agree? I'd agree. <laughs> that's good. It was going to be a really short <laughs> podcast if you weren't going to agree. No, I agree. But, uh, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I do. I do. Uh, the idea of the simplicity of it is, uh, I think, very helpful. It also, I don't know, you just think about um, really kind of all, all the metaphors do this, but just what we're talking about salvation, it's this great 
act of God. It's this cosmic scale thing. It is on some levels like very complex and complicated, but when we when we see how the Bible talks about it, 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 it there is a simplicity to it, and part of it is through these different um, metaphors that are grounded in, in these very natural, you know, human relationships that, um, that, that, that we understand just kind of innately. Um, I think with marriage here specifically, like it's, again, this idea of um, the, the nature of relationship in some senses, it's relational or salvation yeah. is relational. And, uh, and um, part of what's helpful is, is it's, um, it's clarifying in that sense to some degree, I think our marriage to Christ and our, our like human marriages, those relationships, they're mutually informative yeah. uh, on one level. Like the Bible is going to tell us what a good marriage looks like and define that and everything. And that's of course needed and foundational, but, but on another level, there are things that we just experientially know about marriage from being in it and watching it and seeing it that also inform the way that we should relate to Jesus. And, uh, and I think that's kind of the helpful, like the idea of simplicity, um, that that's part of what's helpful there is it, 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 it's things that come natural to us and we can kind of identify that and then say, okay, this is, you know, very similar to, in some ways our salvation. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I just want to press in there too, is that, uh, this is so at the heart of not just what it means to be the church and the people of God, but also just at the heart of just the Christian life as individuals, um, is that this is what the enemy wants to rob us of. Okay. So think about that. We, what is the enemy ultimately after he's, he's after this core relationship of just being in love with Jesus. Um, he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy he does that in a variety of different ways, but what he's ultimately after is to rob us of this intimacy with Christ. And if he can do that, then, then uh, there goes our power. There goes our peace. Mm. There goes our joy. There goes, there goes all the fruit of the spirit. And so really the battle to live the Christian life. And I, this is something I say from the pulpit all the time is that I will give you that the Christian life is hard. It is extremely hard. In fact, it's not just hard. Apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, it is absolutely impossible. While those things are true, it is not complicated. Mm. And, I, and I just, in my own life, in um, talking to and just pastorally counseling Christians over the years, we always want to make it complicated. Like it's just, it's, it's always the, the devil gets us to like believe it's, it's something really complex yeah. and some real deep spiritual warfare or, or, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had this experience and people, all these people are against me. And again, it, situations are complex. I don't want to sound like, you know, just, I don't want to oversimplify complex and very painful situations in people's lives. But at the heart of it, at the heart of it is every day we got to love Jesus yeah. and we, and, and again, we don't love him. First, it's first believing that he's loved us and believing the gospel and his love for us is unwavering. It doesn't change. Um, It's just steady. It's full on all the time. And yeah, just don't let the devil rob you of that. Well, I think, I think too, that's a, that's really good. I think, I think you can look at both sides of that too. And so this might be going out of order probably, but like to say that that is the chief thing that the devil wants to 
rob us of is it, it that that comes from this first understanding that what God most wants from us is that very thing too. Like right. he yes. he yeah. he wants, and I think I think part of what we do also is we again it's both sides. We think that the devil is simply trying to um, tempt us to do something wrong or get us to to act out, to act in sin. Um, and that's true, but that's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is that he's trying to, again, rob us of that relationship in the same way on the other side, the Lord does not just want us to behave better. Like that's not, that's not the, the hope that's not not moral. Yeah, it's not exactly. That's not, it's he's, he's first concerned about and ultimately concerned about relationship. Um, and, and a real kind of intimate knowing and presence with, with his people. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's both sides of that. Yeah. Um, so, th- so press into that for, for a second. And again, this is what we want to do with these, uh, with these, me- with these metaphors is let's, let's think about, think about just, uh, I forget what the term was that you used. I jotted down there as you were talking about the idea of just moral reform, yeah. like just, just outward moral, um, mm-hmm. uh, duty to whatever. But but just apply that to a marriage. L- picture that marriage for a second. And, and, <laughs> On and, some level, my <laughs> well, well. Here's here's the thing. I think any of us who are married, and we all are. There's there's probably been seasons. I mean, we've been married uh, for 22 years, Conrad. How many? Almost 22 years. I believe 16. 16. I'm putting y'all on the spot here. Mark's four, got the least. Four, baby. Yeah. So you say maybe he's just rounding. We'll we'll check. We'll fact check this later. Um, but. Uh, I, th- I think every marriage goes through seasons where it, it feels that way. But again, in marriage, this is the battle. Then it's like, wait, what? Why did we? Why did we get married? Oh, wait, it was to actually mm. enjoy each other, yeah. and b- we did this not out of duty, but out of delight. Um, and so, just uh, then apply that. This is this again. This is where the, the point is. This is where the metaphor is helpful. Is apply that to your relationship with Christ is if you find yourself in a place and how many Christians find themselves in this place, it's unbelievable. It's the primary, I'm getting on my soapbox here, it is the primary issue in all issues within the church is that people are just going through the motions. They're, it's just moral reform. Yeah. It's just, I go to church and it's just, I think we talked last week a little bit about like, I just serve because Jesus likes good servants and that's what we should do. and. He's our model. No, before he's our model, you're first just to be in love with him and to delight yourself uh, in the gospel. Yeah. So, um, Con- Mark, what are some of the passages that came to mind uh, in regards to this? There's a few. Honestly, one is, I, I think, just this idea of, uh, you know, this is this is um, what the Lord has desired. It's what he's... Um, hope for all of that. I think you, you see this all throughout the story of the Bible. I mean, we can even go back to, to Genesis, I think, and this idea of, of just real presence and communion with people. That's, that's a very fundamental part of what was lost, but also the imagery of, uh, or metaphor of a marriage. Hosea is one that sticks out. Um, yeah, that's a big, and, and this kind of, uh, like the Lord, he, he literally illustrates his relationship with his people through, a real life, uh, marriage situation between Hosea and Gomer. Um, and, uh, and the, well, on, on, on both sides, the reality is that they've been, they've been unfaithful. They're out, uh, intimate with, with other, uh, 
people they've they've given themselves over to other things this idea of uh you know purity and that being being the uh kind of the goal is they've not followed that um but then you also look at kind of the the hope and the solution for that it's that he's going to send this this king the messiah who's going to come but then he says that they're going to come with all to the lord and to his goodness um and so again it's it's not just this you know rule following uh i've got a to-do list and i keep it it's it's this very intimate um it, on some levels like emotional i don't we don't like to think of god that way and and it's not you know he's not emotional the way that we are but it is there there are still components of that that he that yes. he desires and um and so that's a lot of the problem that the old testament paints and it's also part of the hope that it's painting is that uh, he's going to bring his people back into that kind of relationship again. Yes, a hundred percent. And again, there's a reason why the Bible uses this metaphor. It's not, uh, right. it's not by accident. Yeah. It's wanting to stir these things up in us. He, just going on here, um, back in second Corinthians chapter 11, at the end of verse three, again, he says, he's afraid that thoughts will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. But then verse four for if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. So Paul, <laughs> Paul's really, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, uh, inspired divine uh, apostolic authoritative sarcasm and <laughs> a little snarkiness, I think in the way that he's in the way that he's talking and he's and he's uh, gently lovingly kind of smacking him upside the head um, in a good sanctifying way mm-hmm. uh, that what was happening was people were proclaiming this other Jesus. Now here's the deep irony that I want people to see is that again, in Christ, we've been made complete. We have everything that we need. We have been blessed, Ephesians 1, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, Colossians. In him, you have been made complete, or you've been, giving, been given fullness in him. This is, the, this is what makes the good news the good news, is that there's nothing else that we can do. But here they come, and he says they're proclaiming another Jesus. And now, hear me, there isn't another Jesus, right. okay? But what was this other Jesus doing? Well, he was holding out that they had to still do something. They had to, there was something, there was something missing. This other Jesus was, yeah, this is good, but you also need this, this, this secret, probably some sort of a Gnostic knowledge from these super apostles. You know, um, again, we don't have time to go through the whole, the whole context of everything. But the point is, is that where did this come from? It all came from Satan. He's the one behind this. And he was trying to rob them from the fullness of all that Jesus had done. And so Christian, just very practically, in your in your Christian life and in the life of your church together, when you find yourself disgruntled or being unsatisfied, I'm not saying this is always the case, but one of the things that may have happened is that that old serpent has crept in there and he's pointed to something you know, as they say, as the, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's the same thing he did to Eve that God placed him in the garden. They literally had everything at their disposal, but he pointed out this one tree of knowledge of good and evil that was put there and it was good for them 
that they not eat it. It was a good command of God, but he somehow twisted it to make her think that God was holding out on her and that there wasn't, that she didn't have all that, all that she needed. Mm-hmm. And again, just like, don't let the devil do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's why they're like, well, why are you going on? The, like, don't, don't let him do that. Yeah. This is the fight of faith is that a part of it is, is a fight to just stay simple yeah. and pure. Well, I think too, it's uh, it again, it, it just kind of like it, it's, and maybe this is part of the simplicity of it too. Like this is, how the Bible is defining you. Like this is, if yeah. you're in Jesus, this is who you are. And so this, you know, it, it's not this, um, and this would maybe going back to kind of the idea of Hosea, or even what you're saying, kind of a resorting back to that mindset. It's not, it's not this sense that I have to now be, be perfect and faithful to achieve that or maintain it. The content, like th- this, is who you are. It's it's uh it's unconditional, and it informs now. And this is the this is why the order of the gospel is so important. It informs everything else, right? So yeah. we 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 why, why do we why do we try to please Christ? Well, it's because we're in this kind of relationship with Him, because yeah. He loves us and we love Him. Um, but but all of those things have to come first as well. Like we, we can't we can't view. Well, you could think about it too, like this again. I think human marriages are somewhat informative in this, like the difference between truly enjoying your spouse, like you said, and, um, and just, and your marriage just being a list of to do's that you kind of check off and and perform. And that's, that's really all it is. There's no affection or anything. It's about, it's about so much more than that. It's about, um, you know, this genuine intimacy and relationship and everything that comes with that affections, uh, communion, conversation, like everything that we, know to be true in this life it is true in the gospel as well so um yeah well if we uh if we if, if another place i guess just to say where we can find this or the a, a picture of this although it's slightly different language used is in the letter to the church um in ephesus in revelation chapter two um and just listen to the description of this church pretending like, if you are familiar with it, pretending like you've never heard this before. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. They are hard workers. They toil. They're patiently enduring. He goes on, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. They don't put up with false teaching. They actually take the time to to test people to see whether or not they're just kind of throwing Jesus in and making it sound good or, or whether they actually, uh, you know, are, are on true gospel ministers or not. Um, he says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. So, again, they're going through some sort of difficulty. Uh, things are hard. They they don't just tuck tail and run when the the going gets tough. The Ephesian church stays and they hold hold steady, um, and they're bearing up for his namesake. So in other words, their motive there's a part of their motive that is not all wrong. It's mm-hmm. it's it's good, and you have not grown weary. And so they're they're still just plugging away. Not just again, I think we breeze past this and we're so quick to get to the rebuke. But just pause for a second. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to this church. Yeah, there's no rebuke yet. Sounds church. good. I'm go- like, I'm like this. These are my boys. Like, um, this is this <laughs> right. is awesome. 
Verse 4. And again, I, I think my point here is how seriously does Jesus take this idea of our love? He says, but I have this against you. So despite all that good, he had this against him. Um, you have abandoned the love you had at first. So now this this is, uh, honestly, this is something that I still don't know that I fully have a handle on because the implication is that it is possible because Jesus is saying it. He's not lying. He's not just buttering them up. Jesus is the truth. He speaks the truth. They truly were hard workers. They were patient in their endurance. They didn't put up with false teachers or false doctrine. Um, when things got hard, they didn't just endure for a little bit. They stuck in there. They did not grow weary. All those things are possible to be true in a church, and yet you can also have forsaken your first love, and Jesus points that out. And um, and he's not okay with it. It's not like he's like, well, let me go on and read here. Um, he says, remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do... Yet this you do have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, again, with most of these churches, we're not, not going to unpack all of them now, but there's some, there's some sort, there's usually a form of commendation and usually some sort of uh, rebuke. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But it's, I just, I've always found this fascinating that I guess all I'm saying is this is a possibility. To have all these good things and yet lose your love. Sure. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I mean, even the, uh, just as you were reading that, the language of how far you have fallen is somewhat, in light of everything he's just yeah. complimented them on, you wouldn't, uh, it just is a little surprising. But again, like you said, the idea being they've fallen into all of these, and that's maybe another, another you know, point to make too, is just the reality that, they've fallen into all of these really good things, but, but detached from the right heart about it, detached from maybe the right motive, detached from the love of, of Jesus that he's really concerned about. I think too about, uh, and there's a lot going on in first Corinthians around this, but, but, uh, chapter 13 with this idea of like, you can do all these, all of these great, you know, uh, big things. And if you don't have love, it's not, it's not good for anything essentially is right. what he says. Yep. And, and I think in a lot of ways, that's just a resorting back to, um, you know, old covenant. It's resorting back to law. It's resorting back to uh, moralism and works detached from faith. It's, it's just viewing life and what the Lord wants from me in context of do, 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 do. And, um, and again, just just coming back to why this whole metaphor is helpful, it it gets through all of that and shows us really uh, what the Lord wants is this kind of relationship and genuine affection that all of these things would come out of. Um, but yeah, I don't know those things. Those those things always they always strike me too. The language of because again, like sounds like they're doing really well, man. I'd I'd be excited about that place too. Yeah. Um, but that they've fallen yeah. into that. Right without the right and and you wonder her again with this rebuke from jesus is like i wonder if other people would have recognized the same things that jesus recognizes in terms of the commendations mm. but i bet most people wouldn't have recognized 
the the hard issue of, sure. of forsaking the first yeah. love. And that, again, as Jesus looks at us, uh, he, I, I just appreciate that he's very honest. <laughs> like yeah, he, like sure. he's like, oh, yeah, this, this is good. Yeah. Uh, this is an issue. Like, yeah. um, that's... And it's self-admittedly, too, like, there's, you know, part of what we're going to do here is talk about several metaphors. And, uh, you know, the Bible is nuanced in how it talks about our relationship to God and Christ. And, and there are, you know, it's it's not that... It's not that those things aren't important, right? We're also part of his kingdom and we're his people and we're allegiant to him. He's Lord, all of those things. But but, uh, but we have to be able to take everything that it says and apply it rightly. And um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's challenging. Like, are we yeah. even just thinking about our church and the church in general? Are we people that uh, people would look at and say they really love Jesus? Like, right. and that's, that's how they, right. that's how they function. You can see it, you know, you can see it on them at, kind of comes off of them in that way it's yeah and, and you know it's um yeah i don't know i'm i'm, all, I'm literally almost like uh <laughs> making a face i guess like <laughs> like cringing but how many times have we seen marriages where like man it seems like they have a great marriage right the on the outside thing, yeah the next thing you yeah, know, 100%. yeah yeah you find out that the house is on fire yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. like man well, I, that's, we, we gotta cultivate yeah. true intimacy not just fake intimacy not just counterfeit intimacy yeah um i would like to i'll put you guys on the spot here so in regards to that whole idea Great. of yeah you're, <laughs> you're always ready that's what it is you wouldn't be in here if you weren't um so again this is this is definitely an idea corporately okay so it's because again not mm -hmm. just one i think it's off to say that just one individual is the bride of christ right, yeah. we are part of that it's always the bride language is always corporate mm -hmm. for all of god's people um, however, I do think that there are some takeaways as you filter it on down. Like when you just think about your own walk with Christ and your relationship with him in that context, what, what do you do if you found yourself growing just kind of cold or just kind of academic? Um, maybe you are combating false doctrine and things are hard, but man, you're not giving up and you're going for it yet you feel that the Lord has showed you that your love has grown cold or you don't have the same love you had at first. What do you do to cultivate intimacy with Christ? Conrad? <laughs> I, have, I have to go back to the yeah. second Corinthians 11 uh, uh, scripture. I think it's in verse uh, three where it says, uh, your thoughts will be led astray uh, by the sincere and pure devotion. And just a little phrase there, as you were reading it in the beginning, was your thoughts will be read, led astray. Uh, first thing that comes to mind for me is just distraction. Um, you know, what what is distracting me? Um, yep. And, and kind of going back to what we were talking about, uh, the being uh, doers, you know, being uh, doing, doing all these things, but yet uh, our hearts are far from him. And um, so I, I'd have to ask a question, what is distracting me? Um, yeah. Just like any good relationship, uh, it takes time investment. And so, you know, what what time am I investing into my relationship with Christ? Not not just um, while I'm doing ministry, quote unquote, but yeah. uh, personally, what I'm what time invest, what kind of time am I investing in my relationship? Yeah. Um, and then in that also what's distracting me. Good. Mark. Uh, I, I would, it's a, I don't know, in some, in some sense, it's hard to just put a, a clear statement on it. I think part of it for me, honestly, is 
just trying to remind myself that I've got to, I've got to let go control a little bit. I've got to kind of take the rain, maybe, maybe just the responsibility on my own, um, ability away. I, th I think part of what, um, you know, it's just a very, I think, practical part of things we've talked about. Part, part of what it often looks like for me is just a, it's kind of the, the, you know, white knuckle it, I'm going to get down and, and do it and, um, and try to, try to manufacture it in a way. And, um, and kind of the more you struggle, then you just fall into doing that more and more. And it just becomes this downward movement where it doesn't, you think it should help, but it doesn't help. And so it, it's this weird kind of like a lot of the things that I know, and even I might be doing, um, you know, whether that's just kind of regular rhythms we should have of time in the word or wh whatever it is. Um, I still need to do those things, but I need to not do it with the mindset that I can, I can just force this. Like I've got to, at the end of the day, um, I've, I've got to trust that the Lord's going to do that in me. The spirit's going to do that work and, um, and try to not even do it with this just kind of short sightedness of better, again, just better results, like near term results. I've got to do it with this, uh, with this goal of genuinely knowing Jesus deeper. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's hard. Like it's, it's really hard. Cause that feels very abstract. At least in my mind, it can feel very, you know, theoretical a little bit. And, uh, and, and it's hard to like look at any one thing and say, yeah, I got it. It's very much just, you know, I don't know. It, it just kind of happens. Yeah. I feel like, but, but, um, but I think that's the way that, that it works. Some um, of those mindset shifts are important. And yeah. honestly too, um, just being aware of it sometimes. The yeah, I think that's a big, that's the, a big the, part the, of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, recognition is like half the battle <laughs> sometimes, honestly, is we don't realize where we've, where we've drifted to. Um, for me, this is, again, this is not, uh, I don't know. It work. It works for me, but I literally sometimes will, um, uh, so I, I used to, I play guitar and I dink around on the keyboard a little bit, but I'll just take some time like by myself and just pick up the guitar <laughs> and just worship again. I, I say that obviously specific to me because you do not have to play guitar or keyboard, um, in order to do that. But Praise just God. Like, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, but like I would challenge people though. And again, this might not be for you either. I'm just, it's just a suggestion. All right. But, um, it definitely gets people out of their comfort zone. Uh, but Go out in the woods and go out in a field by yourself um, where you're pretty confident no one can hear you and just begin to read the Psalms, read them out loud, pray, sing a song out loud, just talk to him. Um, again, that's what prayer is. <laughs> it's, just, it's just talking to God. Uh, but do something to like, get alone. Don't, uh, um, I don't know, this is probably a little bit more applicable, especially to, uh, guys in ministry or people that are, you know, preparing another sermon or a Bible study or a class they need to teach or whatever too. But, um, just set all that aside. Like, don't, don't try to use that as like time to, um, I don't know, prep for your next, for your next thing. Like truly try to get alone with God. On the other hand, somewhere where you can get alone and truly just be quiet try to take 30 minutes and just not talk at all for th for some people that might be super easy 
Um, if it's not that, if that's easy for you, then, then up the time. But if, if 30 minutes is easy for you to be quiet, then I bet you're the person that actually needs to go out and get by themselves and say something. I was going to say, make, yeah, make yeah. them talk. Yeah. Make them, make them, make them talk. So whichever, I do think there's some personality stuff that plays into this, but again, think of it in terms of a, uh, of a relationship and actually that, but like those types of things, there are things we can actually do to at least try to cultivate. Like, again, we can't. We can't make the rain come. We can't make the sun shine, but we can tend the garden a little bit. We can pull some weeds. We can drop the plow in and break up the hard ground. Like there's some things, um, you know, out of the routine. I I don't know if you guys have ever. I'm following a rabbit trail here now, but um, <laughs> some people have recommended before that, like as they're like, oh, you know, I know you're so busy as a pastor and stuff, and like you need to just spend a weekend just like away in a cabin somewhere. And I'm like, I would literally lose my mind. Like that does not, <laughs> like that would not be refreshing to me. Like I would come out of that with anxiety. <laughs> but like, but one th another thing that does help for me, and again, I'm just trying to get really practical is, is like, um, is just driving. I like to drive. Um, that is therapeutic to me for some reason. And as I drive, just listening to a podcast, just to listen to it or, or not listen to anything. And that's all, honestly, a lot of times when, where I will be quiet is just as I'm driving, or I, I usually, I tend to swing between extremes a little bit, <laughs> but it's just confessing here. It's um, helpful or, for yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, or I will really, those are the times where I will really be loud. So again, I said like a field of the woods doesn't have to be, do you have a car, you know, just, uh, <laughs> uh, just going and doing and doing some of that, some of that there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else that comes that comes to mind with that? I don't think so. I, I think it's. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's. Uh, it, it can look. It can look a lot of different ways. Um, but at the end of the day, it it's all. It all comes back to the same thing, which is just truth. And uh, yeah. we ingest that in different ways. We're moved by it in different yeah. ways. And there's definitely, like you said. Uh, everybody's moved differently. There's a lot of different things that play into that just with us as people and being unique beings. But, um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's coming back to these same things and reminding yourself of them and, and maybe new and fresh ways. And, uh, just trusting that the Lord is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna move you. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Um, I just want to end with this, uh, this little phrase here that I tried to quote before we started the podcast, before we started, <laughs> <laughs> before we started recording. Um, and I kind of, well, I, I, I only gave half the phrase. Yeah, you had, you had half, I, I gave which half was good. The I, didn't, I, didn't I remember, also yeah. attributed it to somebody who was like, lived in the mid 1900s. <laughs> I thought it was Carl Barth, but it's not. I wasn't going to tell him any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest on this podcast. Well, uh, but the other actually, one, yeah, the other yeah. one, not. So. <laughs> yeah. The other one will, uh, anyway, um, but it's they. I guess it's attributed to a guy named Jodakus Van Lodenstein. And Jodakus, if I mispronounced your name, I do apologize, <laughs> brother. Um, but uh, they trace this this little phrase back to him: "Ecclesia Reformata, semper reformanda," um, which just simply means the church reformed, always reforming. And I just want to end with that because that's kind of um, again just coming back. Like, why are we talking about this? What What's your point? Is that that idea of if we're going to be a church that is reformed again, not according to any sort of tradition, but we want to reform ourselves according to the word of God, then we need to be always reforming. Like that doesn't end. 
And that's where, again, I think these podcasts are helpful. I think there's uh, the reason we started this podcast is it's not like we're going to just do eight episodes. I think there's endless stuff to talk about here. I literally think this is a never-ending well, um, especially as you come back to these four ideas of bride, body, family, temple. And, uh, yeah, just know that uh, we thank you for listening, and uh, we hope this has been helpful as we seek to live out these identities that Christ has given us uh, before a watching world. Thanks for listening. Thank you.